Come on. Welcome to Combat Zone 360, where we discuss everything military. On October 7th, Combat Zone 360 was honored to be invited to the premiere screening of the documentary Hell or High Seas at the Allison and Howard Lutnick Theater at the Intrepid Museum. Before the screening, we were able to interview the stars of the documentary, U.S. Navy veteran Taylor and writer Stephen. We also were honored to interview the director of the documentary, Glenn. Hell or High Seas is an intense documentary that gives audience an up-and-close view of the struggles many veterans face when they return home. We strongly urge our audience to watch this film, which has now been released on premium video on-demand services. Go to hellorhighseas.com for more information. Here is our interview with director of Hell or High Seas, Glenn. All right. Thank you for meeting up with me, Glenn. Pleasure. Yes. I wanted to ask you, I know you're a director and you're the director of Hell or High Seas. How was this film presented to you? And when you learn about the history of this film, how did it make you feel? Well, interestingly enough, I've done a lot of work in the mental health field. And I have someone who likes the work that I do, and she called me up and she said, my nephew, who happens to be Steven in the film, is doing something really interesting. Would you take a look at his footage? I think there's something there. And many times when people ask me to look at their nephew's footage, <laughs> I get a little scared because it could be like a student project or something. Yeah. But of course I looked at it because I, I, like, I, I like her and I wanted to check it out. And what I saw was the potential for a really great film because Steven had done a great job. Steven and Taylor had done a great job of documenting their project up to that point. And when I met both of them on camera, I saw great characters. I was immediately drawn to Taylor's mission and compassion for his fellow veterans. It drew me right in, and I thought I want to be part of helping them take this great material and craft it into a, a full-length story. Awesome. So when you ended up doing this film, did this film inspire you to work a lot more with military organizations? and? You know, if any ideas came up within the military realm, take a more serious look at them. Well, one of the things that this film did for me was open a window into mm -hmm. the military culture that I didn't have access to before. And what I was really drawn to is Taylor's real compassion for his fellow veterans. And I've been experiencing that through this whole journey, is the care that veterans have for each other. And the fact that Taylor would be willing to take two years of his life on a mission to help improve the lives of other people including helping himself, but really in, 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 in the service of others. Uh, that's very inspiring to me. So I'm really, really interested in the, in the communities that I've met. And what I really love is when people who are veterans experience the film and they give me the feedback that we, we did it right, that we got it. We didn't sugarcoat anything. We didn't treat anything too gently. We told the truth. What, nothing is more interesting than the truth. And when we get it right, that makes me feel like I did our job right. Exactly. And I wanted to ask you, out of all the films that you've directed, where would you rate this one? Well, always the one that I finish is the one that I love the most. <laughs> uh, but they're all connected. Yeah. They're all about struggle, recovery, resilience. I admire people who go through those things. I get strength from those people, and that's why I search out these stories. It's a selfish pursuit, honestly. You know what, but it's a great pursuit. And you know, the, the mental health realm has to be thrown out there, has to be educated, has to be you know, where everybody can see it. Because I, I always tell a lot of my veteran friends that 
tell your story, there's a certain part of therapy there to get your story out there. And it's helped me out a lot. And I want to thank you for helping this veteran's dream come true with Taylor's whole journey. Yes, thank that, you. That was my pleasure. Yes, Absolutely. Yes. Right. Thanks. Yes. See, I told you yours was short. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, guys. Great. Here is our interview with writer and co-star of Hell or High Seas, Stephen. Perfect. Thank you for joining me today. I wanted to ask you, when Tyler presented this journey with to you, traveling into the Cape, what was your initial thought process? Oh, man, well, when I first visited Guam, you know, a full year before we cast off, Taylor pitched the idea of sailing around the world. And at the time, I thought it was a pipe dream. I was just kind of like, yeah, man, that'd be great. You know, of course I'd want to <laughs> do that. Um, and he was very close to transitioning out of the Navy. And um, I, I flew back to Scotland. I was in the middle of my PhD, but we kept in touch. And a lot of that story is told through the documentary. But um, a big part of it was after Taylor attempted to commit suicide, you know, that changed the tone of our plans and the urgency entirely. After that, it, was, it wasn't a pipe dream. It was a, we need to make this happen, not only for Taylor, but for veterans everywhere. And how do you know Taylor? How did you initially meet him? We met in high school. We were on the swim team together. Okay. Um, so my senior year, I was the captain of the swim team. And the next year, Taylor went on to become the captain of the swim team. So um, that was, that was kind of how we met. Uh, we went seven years after I graduated from high school without talking. Um, you know, I just went to academia. We, we went our separate ways. And after he reached out to me, one of the cooler moments of this story is I flew to Guam. I think Taylor and I were both a little bit anxious about reconnecting after so many years. And probably within five minutes, we were like, all right, this guy's the same dude he was in high school. <laughs> we're still cool. And um, we just picked it up where we left off. Perfect. Now, with you both being strong swimmers, did you ever feel that your life was in danger during this journey? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think early on when people were asking me why you're doing this, you have no real sailing experience. Um, I joke that, well, if you're going to go sail around Cape Horn, you might as well do it with a Navy rescue swimmer, right? right? <laughs> uh, but then once you're out there on the water, 300 miles from shore, it doesn't matter if you can swim or not. So. There were certainly moments where I felt like our lives were in peril, um, if not completely forsaken. So those were tough moments, but we always pulled through. And a lot of that was because of Taylor's incredible improvising skills on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> he could jerry-rig anything. So. There you go. Maybe uh, taught him something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we pulled through. And, you know. Perfect. So when you guys were on your journey, long journey, what was the most gratifying part of this journey? You know, there, there were a few. I definitely think the entire tone of our trip shifted once we reached Patagonia. Mm -hmm. And that's for a, a multitude of reasons. One, just the scenery was pristine and incredible. Um, but at that point, we also had John on the boat. And when John joined us, that really marked a, sh a shift in the trip for me because I noticed that Taylor was no longer sailing for himself. He was sailing for others. And I really believe that that's when Taylor realized his calling was to help others. And it was, it was like a switch flip for him after that. And reaching Patagonia was kind of the pinnacle of that. And 
I just got to bear witness that. I got to film a lot of it. Um, yes. But it was also beautiful for me, too. That was a destination I'd always wanted to travel to. And there are certainly parts of Patagonia that you can only reach by sailboat. So we tried to go to as many of those as we could. So you were the man behind the camera the whole time? Most of the time, but <laughs> every now and then, you know, I had to grab a line and we'd, you know, tell John, pick up the camera. Taylor, Taylor, you know, was very good about picking up the camera whenever, whenever he felt the, the urge. So it was definitely a, a group effort filming this whole documentary. Well, I want to thank you for looking out for the veteran. Of course. That's your friend and that's every other veteran's friend. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Here is our interview with U.S. Navy veteran and star of Hell or High Seas, Taylor. Taylor, thank you for joining me tonight. I wanna ask you a question about this journey that you just took throughout the Cape. I know it's the most dangerous parts of the water. What was the whole thought process of you coming up with this journey knowing that your life and your crewmate's life could be in jeopardy? It's a great question. There's a couple ways to that. So yes. um, we thought when we first set out to do this whole thing was um, if anybody was going to pay attention to it, it'd have to be the baddest thing in the world. You know, nobody's going to pay attention if we're sailing through the Maldives or along the trade winds. I mean, nobody's going to watch that. But if they sail through the baddest waters in the world, that'll probably get some attention. Uh, the second part that means a lot to me is if we're going to represent veteran suicide, we need to do something worthy of it, something that a lot of people haven't accomplished in this world that means that much so Cape Horn fell into all those categories and that's where yeah that's where that fits in for sure and what are you hoping to get out of this for people to bring awareness to PTSD yeah um, so a big part of the film is we highlight how PTSD affects the body on a physiological level the animations that describe that in the film are mean the most to me I think of all the film that's my favorite part about it um, we get a lot of feedback People are like, I had no idea it affects the body like this. And those like made everything went through worth it. Yeah. So if anybody's gonna get anything about the film, it's it's how to empathize with how a person's body has changed after being overseas for so long. And also that there's a hope that your body can heal and get better and you can live a healthy life again and you're not just beat down all the time seeing the worst things in the world regularly. So yeah, I think people will get get that from the film for sure. Amazing. And when you brought this to your crewmates' attention, saying, hey, this is where we're going, <laughs> what was their initial thought process and what did they say to you? Yeah, I mean, everybody says it's crazy. Um, <laughs> they do, they do. It's not gonna die. But both John and Steven understood it, so there wasn't yeah. a question. It, honestly, man, it was like, as soon as the idea was there, it was like, yeah, we have to do that. There isn't another option. If somebody was gonna do something or talk about PTSD and about change, about how to heal, they would have done it after Vietnam, after World War II, you know? Like, it's been years and nothing has changed. You think about, you let that sink in and you're just like, yeah, you have to. You gotta sail the baddest world, waters of the world just to get it out there and start making steps to improve the outprocessing system. So that's what this documentary is for and they understood that for sure. Perfect. And throughout this journey, how many times did you feel your life was in jeopardy? Every day. <laughs> Every day, man. Yeah, it's dangerous. Um, yeah. We saw 72-foot seas, 30-foot seas on average. Like, every day that boat was trying to kill us, the seas were trying to kill us, it was just stressful. Um, but it was also gorgeous, man. So after you fight a storm for eight days and you see how beautiful it is afterwards, I mean, that I don't know, it changed me for sure. Yeah. 
I appreciate this world much more after that. But yeah, every day you uh, <laughs> wonder if you're going to make it out through this storm. Very much so. We all know your story, and you know, as people see this documentary and people hear about your story, they're going to understand why you just said what you said as well. But I want to ask you, what was the most gratifying part of making Hell or High Seas and the most gratifying part of this journey that you took? Cool. That's a really good question. Good question, man. You're good at this. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so I, I never, I never, I never envisioned this aspect of it. But when we do the screenings, guys from Vietnam come and they say afterwards, and especially their wives will come say the same thing. Um, they'll say, I haven't talked about this to anyone since I came back home. I've been living with this by myself for years. And seeing you tell this story has given me reason to talk about it again and try to heal. He's like, I've been hurting every day since I got home. So when we get stuff like that at these screenings, man, I mean. It hits home. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, it makes it worth it for sure. That's exactly what we're trying to do. And we'll get emails, dudes from the Gulf War to message us and be like, nobody's talking about this. It needs to change, man. A lot needs to change. So it's 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 become a catalyst and beast of itself that uh, I never envisioned happening. And that's that's probably the most gratifying thing to come from this for sure. Perfect. Well, I want to thank you for bringing PTSD awareness. As you know, I have it. You have it. There's a lot of veterans out there that have it. And on my, my personal, thank you for what you do. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. All right. That's it. Following the premiere, Glenn hosted a Q&A between Taylor, Stephen, and David Reed from the Robert Irvine Foundation. We are pleased to present you with the Q&A. So joining us is David Reed, Vice President of the Robert Irvine Foundation. I'm so glad you're here with us. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Dave is a veteran who was deployed twice to Afghanistan yeah. and uh, once to the Middle East. Iraq. 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 So thank you for that. Man. I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here with us. We're going to open questions to all of you. I just wanted to um, start it off getting everybody comfortable. The one question you might be having is, how did two boys from Philadelphia meet two boys from Texas to make a movie? That's a great question. And we have to thank Stephen's aunt, Jean. Jean Shanahan, who's here back there. <laughs> I have done some films in the mental health world, and Jean had watched them and was a fan of them. And she called me up one day and she said, my nephew, Stephen, is doing something interesting with his friend, Taylor. Would you take a look at their videos? And I did, and I saw this great story. I saw Taylor's incredible passion, Stephen's incredible skill. I saw wonderful camera work. I saw fellows who knew what they were doing. So we teamed up. My question to you, Taylor, is when we said, let's team up and make a movie, was this what you were thinking? What has come to pass? How do you feel about what's come to pass since that moment? Yeah, no, I, I didn't have a vision like this. I, I could have never done that. I, my brain doesn't work that way. Um, that's why you're the director, so thank you for that. Um, now, but we knew the story that we needed to tell, and we knew that we weren't good enough to tell it, and we needed uh, help with you, Fresh Fly, and, and you know, as our director, Glenn. Um, that was a pretty simple problem for us to figure out and the solution was much harder to find but uh thanks to to you and shane you know the we have this 
you guys would not be looking at this today uh, if it was just Stephen and I. It'd be a bunch of trash for real. <laughs> we wouldn't be here in New York, that's for sure. Um, yeah, so so thank you, seriously. Well, you're very welcome. But you, you did set out to make, to document it because you wanted to share the story in a big way. I mean, that was part of what you were, what you were doing. Yeah, that was a goal uh, from the beginning. Whenever I was having my issues, um, Steve and I had a, a serious long talk over some whiskey, of course. And um, we're like, you know, if you want to reach everybody that, that feels the way that you do in the States, what's the best way to do that? And it, we spent the better part of the entire night thinking about how to do that. And we came to the realization that like, quite literally the first time in our entire history of our country, of, any, of the world, um, have we been able to use a medium that reaches every single veteran in the world. Think about every single war that's ever happened since the beginning of time. You know, you go back to your communities, maybe you have people there that you can talk to. Most of the time you don't. This is the first time in our history that we're living in to be a part of, to pioneer this, you know. Um, it's the first time that we have a medium to reach every single veteran in the world and let them know that you're not alone and that your body can heal. And this is the problem and this is why this is happening to you. Here's a solution, you know. It's not the solution, but it's a solution and you're not doing this alone. Um, it's never happened before in our history, you know. Um, and a lot of that was like, we, we had, a, you know, one of those honest talks where you're like, I get Vietnam, I get that a lot of guys committed suicide of that, because a lot of guys, because I saw that. You come back and you're alone, you're by yourself, but we don't have an excuse this day and age to not reach every single veteran in the States. It's unacceptable. It's absolutely unacceptable. Uh, Stephen, I just want to ask you, you, what kind of sailing training have you had in your life? Well, leading up to this trip, I had almost none. Um, <laughs> and the, the, what I would tell kind of like my family and friends when they'd call me crazy for jumping on this boat with Taylor is that if you are going to sail the harshest waters in the world, it might as well be with a Navy rescue swimmer, right? <laughs> um, so that didn't always get me very far, but um, I, I, I did trust, you know, Taylor's sailing skills, and I, I trusted our ability to learn as we went. Um, and I think we did that. I think we, we, had, we approached this trip from a very pragmatic stance, and we just tried to take it one step at a time. I'm glad you used that word trust, because I was meaning to thank you both for your trust in us with handing over your most precious thing, which is your personal life story. So I wanted to say that before we... We moved on. And Dave, I wanted to ask you, um, what, what parts of this film, this is the first time you saw it with us? Yes, it is. What parts were resonating with you? What, what, what sort of hit you in your gut when you were watching? Well, I, I just have to say the, the story of resiliency. I mean, um, over, overcoming adversities and, and diving right back into a tough situa situation. I mean, you go through all these stresses being deployed and you know, you're constantly on the go and you're relying on the guy to your left and right and to go into a situation where it's like the most dangerous place in the world with a skeleton crew and put yourself right back into that dangerous world is absolutely incredible. And it shows an amazing side of who you guys are and your story. And I mean, that's what resonates with me is the mindset. Thanks, man. Early on, we encountered some 
tension, actually, between uh, the idea that a combat veteran versus a non-combat veteran might have PTSD. And I, I love that this film addresses it head on. I was wondering if that is, is that something that the Robert Irvine Foundation deals with, or is this a subject matter you think needs more attention? Yeah, you know, I, that's a really good question. Um, you know, a lot of people ask, ask me that too, is like, you know, I call it the just theory whenever I talk to people. It's like, you know, I, I go on stage and I talk, you know, I lost my leg in Afghanistan in 2010, broke my back, several other injuries. So I, you know, I was with special operations for a while, you know, my story. But and, they don't, you need to tell them. Uh, yes. Just uh, give them a yeah. high level what you did. So I was a 70, so I was a in Ranger Regiment. So I did three combat deployments, special operations with those guys in 2010. I walked through a doorway that changed my life forever. You know, there was a rigged explosive that went off and uh, 12 pounds of HME. So homemade explosive was supposed to detonate that did not, thank God, um, which, uh, you know, made me be able to bring back my team, which is nice. <laughs> So, so I get asked that question quite often is, uh, you know, can people come up and, and say to me, you know, I only, you know, I just did this or, you know, I, I've never done what you've done. And I, I have to pop, you know, pause them right there and say, you know, everybody faces their own battles and, you know, faces their own adversities, their own obstacles. You can't compare yourself to other people because the moment that you do that is when you devalue yourself mm -hmm. and that's not when the healing happens. Mm -hmm. So yes, at the Robert Irvine Foundation, you know this this kind of thing is the embodiment of what we're all about. It's you know things like this is about giving a hand up, not a handout, and we're really really big proponents on that. Is trying to help you overcome those horrendous moments in your life, and you know through this sailing program that we're going to be taking over as well with you and sailing hand in hand, maybe not the cape, you know, I don't know how I would do on that one, but rangers can't swim. That's fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so all about it at the Robert Irvine Foundation for sure. Thanks. I want to open it up. Oh, yes, please, yes. I do want to open up to questions to the audience, but there is someone in the audience I'd like to point out, and that's our composer, Michael Aaron. And the music in this movie is so great. All right, man, yeah, thank you. Right on, yeah. So we have a question. I see one hand. That'd be incredible. That's what we need. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you to you, ma'am. Uh, the DAV is the only reason I have any disability today. So, and that's that's for people like. Oh, sweet. Oh, cool. Thanks. I'm sorry. 
Don't no. Be <laughs> no, thank you so much. Um, what you do is uh, the reason, a lot of the reason I'm, I am where I am today. Uh, DAV helped me out a lot, and they're not a part of the VA, which is ironic. <laughs> so thank you. Questions for our panel? Over here. Taylor, I know that there's one part in there where you went on your own. And I know that was very entertaining, but there's one thing that we always have in the Army is always travel with your battle buddy and never leave a buddy behind. How did you feel about him leaving you guys, going on that adventure on him by himself, and why did you do that, Taylor, and not take them with you? I think there's a two-part question. How did Steven feel about yeah, me leaving? And then how did I feel about leaving? Uh, I, mean, you, I mean, you guys can relate to this a lot. So when you have other people on your boat that you're responsible for, uh, it's, it, you don't sleep that night. You know, you're worried about everybody else around you, worried about if anybody's clipped into lifelines, if they're okay. And when you're in a boat that's sinking, that just caught on fire, and that's in pieces and you have to bring that boat somewhere else, do you want to bring the dudes you love in this world with you on something like that, knowing that you could kill them? I, uh, I couldn't live with myself if I did that. And that's what it came down to. And that's not for a lack of uh, Stephen and John fighting me. There was a lot of heated conversations that did not make the film. We were pretty pissed at each other. I mean, like, like we had some yelling conversations on film um, that didn't make that. They didn't... They didn't want to leave they weren't gonna leave and uh i don't know i i just uh i couldn't i couldn't do it and there's still i still think about it a lot to this day you know should have should i brought steven should i let him go home and, and knowing that he wanted to be there you know that that's his decision as a grown man and then uh i don't know i still think about it to this day I, but i just i know that uh my mental state that i would have been in with him on the boat when we were when the boat was in that shape i i, I I wouldn't have been able to sleep, and I wouldn't have been able to think about anything else, and uh, I didn't see any other way to do it. So that's the best way I can kind of answer that question. I don't know. You can talk about how you felt about getting kicked out and pissed. <laughs> well, let's air it all out, shall we? <laughs> great question. <laughs> that is a great question. Um, in short, I was furious. You know, uh, as Taylor said, there were there were lots of arguments about that. Um, it was really, it was really difficult, and I think we only scraped the surface of, of the tension that was there and the really dark place that we all were in at that moment. Um, and it did come down to Taylor kicking us off the boat and flying home. And you know, the second I landed in the states, it's, I know Taylor is still questions that decision, but when I touched down in America, um, I hit the ground running trying to find a production company to turn this into a documentary. So that's when I met Glenn, and the rest is history, so. Yeah, that's true. We'll so there are part. no accidents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Does anybody have any other questions? Yes. That's pretty good. That's a great question. Um, 
I'm sorry, I'm going to throw you guys under the bus. So the Army and Navy have not. No, they're not really responsive. The guys that are super responsive is the Marine Corps. I swear to God, I love those dudes every single freaking time. So we're going to, yeah, I don't know if you got any Marines in this. Every time, man, you guys give a shit about people that serve with you. I don't know what that is. I don't know how y'all breed that, but you guys are like, oh, we got a problem. Well, let's take care of our guys. Let's do it right now. Um, we're screening this film on Paris Island with 940 Marines, uh, middle of November, November 16th. Um, yeah, they've seen it, and they want to start implementing their programs. Um, but getting it in front of the Navy, for instance, I'll speak from my experience. I don't, I won't, I don't know about the Army. Um, we're all on the same to, panel, so to be a, so, yeah, so to so to take leave to take leave whenever I was in Guam. One time I got denied 11 times by my chain of command because they said we were undermanned and we didn't have the manning for me to take leave. So I didn't get to take leave for two years as that leave got denied, which is a concept that a lot of people in the military have a hard time understanding because they're like, oh, well, if you put in leave, it has to get approved. That's not the case, man. Your CO can deny leave. That happens. That happened to me 11 times. I still have 11 denial request shits in my house. I framed the last one that finally got approved two years later. For real. I still have it. That's a real story. Um, so to make that change in the military, to make uh, adventure therapy programs available, available in the Navy, from my experience, um, the best solution I've come up with, and I've had a lot of time at sea to think about this, is that it has to be mandatory and there can't be an option because there's going to be guys stationed in four deployed units where they're like, oh, you can't take leave. You can't, yeah, we got Manning. You can't take two weeks off to go recover. We got a Manning issue. You can't leave. That can't happen. So it has to be mandatory. It has to be, you go on an eight-month deployment, you go on a year, on 12-month deployment, you're guaranteed 13 weeks of recovery. That doesn't take away from your leave at all. It's thir or three weeks to recover when you get back. It's just like crew, wet, crew rest. Whenever you fly for 12 hours, you gotta be down for eight hours. If you go on an eight month deployment, you gotta be down for three weeks. And that doesn't take away from your leave or anything. But you go on an adventure therapy program, you get yourself right, and then you come back to work, better work than ever, you know? I mean, what does that do for your command morale? What does that do for you as a person who wants to operate for this country? It changes everything, and it's that simple. Um, those are the programs that I think need to be implemented and needs to be mandatory, and that's rewriting the UCMJ, and that's how that happens. Um, and that's a big uphill battle that we've been fighting. We've talked to every single congressman from San Antonio to Houston. Um, we haven't talked to Ted Cruz, sorry to say, or the president. We haven't gotten up there yet, but uh, it's happening. And that's, I mean, that's the fight that we're going on. Every, every single day we're sending emails trying to talk to these dudes. Um, that's, solution, that's the solution we've come up with. You can tell me if I'm crazy and if you think that that's not a good idea, but that's, that's, uh, that's where we're at with it. I know that's a long answer. I'm sorry. Do you want a question? Sorry. Sir. Yes, sir. Um, this is an amazing film, and I'm so excited to actually have finally seen it, and it's so awesome that you guys are on this amazing journey. As a member of the Navy, and for all of the guys who spend so much time on the sea in a combat and a service function, how would you say for yourself, or if at all, and for them, your relationship with the sea has changed having been there not at war as mm. a way to find healing, even though it's still insanely dangerous to do on any second that you're out there? That's cool. That's a cool... Uh question if you guys in the back didn't hear his question was how's my relationship with the sea changed 
from whenever I was in the Navy and it was a pretty negative thing to whenever I was on this trip and it turned into this. And, uh, yeah, I mean, significantly, man, um, my whole outlook on the world, dude, it's beautiful. I got to really appreciate what a beautiful sea looks like, you know. I got to appreciate dolphins jumping around the boat. And it, so whenever, you f whenever you're flying in helicopters and you're laying on ships in the middle of the night, you dread the moonless nights, you know, because you can't see anything. The stars reflect off the water, and it looks like you're flying in space, and you can't see a horizon. It's super freaking dangerous. Um, those are the most terrifying nights that you fly out there. And that came to be some of the most beautiful nights we'd have sailing because dolphins would be jumping around the boat on those nights where the stars are reflecting off the water and you can't see a horizon. So it looks like you're sailing through space. And then the dolphins jump through and there's bioluminescence through them. So it looks like stardust. So it looks like you're just sailing through stardust behind you. It's wild. And no one uh, thought to pick up a camera for that? <laughs> <laughs> we, did, we did make a conscious decision like in moments like that to not film. So we, uh, we kept those for ourselves. That was a good question. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yeah. I had to ask Taylor, because uh, I kicked myself if I didn't, but uh, if anybody here knows a veteran that is, that is struggling right now or uh, you know, could benefit from something, you know, do you have some resources that you can share with you know, anyone here that either A, wants to help or B, knows a veteran that you know, may be going through a silent crisis on their own? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, Robert Irvine Foundation does a lot for veterans. That's what they, I mean. That's what they. That's all they do. And then we've started American Odysseus Sailing Foundation down in uh, Texas. Um, we sail out of Kima, south of Houston. So you can get get in touch with us. Um, Heroes and Horses is another great one in Montana. They take veterans um, on horseback for 40 days through the mountains out there to let them kind of recover. And uh, there's a lot of adventure therapy programs around the state. So I'm a big I'm a big fan of them. I think. There needs to be a point in time whenever the VA prescribes adventure therapy instead of pills. Um, I think it'll do a lot of good. And uh, they're not hard to find. You can just search adventure therapy program near me. And I Thank will you. follow that up. We, we do have a list on the website, hellerhighseas.com. So um, if anybody is looking for particular resources, there is a list there. And I, I find it particularly touching that all of these programs are generated by people like Taylor, people who have had a journey of, of a hellish journey and then figure out that a way of healing is by helping somebody else. So I think it, it's brought out the best in humanity among some pretty awful scenarios. Um, I think there's been a need for it. And I think that's one of the things that I, I cannot believe to this day that our representatives haven't seen yet. There's so many adventure therapy programs across country that aren't popping up because they want to do it. It's because they need to do it, you know? Um, a plethora of them everywhere. You go fishing, you go fly fishing anywhere. You go hiking. I mean, I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's not, uh, it's not because they want to. It's because they've had to because people have been killing themselves for years. And that's where we're at. I think as a caveat to your question as well, you know, are you seeing change in the military community as well as, you know, our, our you know, awareness with civilians as well? And, and I think that because of these foundations that, you know, are created, Robert Irvine Foundation, Heller High Seas, these are creating a demand right now in this whole veteran community is growing, that it's demanding a reach to our military where they have to react to it. So the, these changes are happening constantly and these organizations are keeping on popping out 
all the time because they want to make a difference and an impact in everyone's lives. So as a caveat to what they were saying is we have a substantial resource as well. You can reach out to me personally at any time. So robertirvinefoundation.com, look it up and see some of the amazing things we do. And we support amazing, amazing resiliency events such as this. Yes, sir. Yep. Uh, American Odysseus Sailing Foundation does this. We take veterans uh, on sailing trips. Some are a day long because people have families. We'll, we'll, we'll take them out for a day and whatnot. Uh, most are a couple days long. We'll take them down the coast of Texas. That's what we're working on right now. Um, just getting guys out. And uh, we'll take six to eight guys out at a time on a boat. And I kind of just sit back the entire time. And I don't, usually don't say a word. A lot of these guys, the conversation revolves around, like, they haven't been able to talk about their experiences overseas since they've been back. And this is one thing we get a lot in, in these kind of uh, these Q&As is family members don't understand why you don't talk about the overseas, and it's not anything to do against you. It's just that if you were to share that experience with somebody who has no idea what you're talking about, that experience is lost and the gravity of it is wasted. And it's not to discredit you, it's just I don't want to share that experience if it isn't going to mean as much to you as it does to me. And so you get these guys on a boat and they have that time to talk about these things that they went through overseas with other people that completely understand it. So they're talking about and working through things that they haven't been able to talk about in decades. And um, that's the point of getting people on a boat and doing hard things together. Um, and that's what American Odysseus Sailing Foundation does. Thank you. Yes, sir. I guess I should let you moderate. I'm sorry, Glenn, you're the moderator. I'm just pointing at, I'm just running a gun. Thanks for coming to New York, guys. Uh, Nick Montini with the Veteran Transparency and Accountability Fund. Uh, you speak so highly of different programs in each state that come out for veterans. Uh, in most cases, programs that are run by non-veterans. Mm. You've mentioned an equine therapy program. You mentioned adventure therapy, which is new to me and nice to my ears. The truth of the matter is there are 2.6 million men and women who served in Iraq and Afghanistan. Those folks don't necessarily want to go to the VFW or the normalized charter VSO. How do you feel about opening up a new world, literally, millions of veterans in the United States who could use therapies such as adventure therapy or things that are outside the realm of the normal program and service. The Veteran Transparency and Accountability Fund seeks those programs that are successful, however, um, not so well known. Uh, there are programs with horses in Vermont and Maine that have done so well that even the VA can't keep up with them. How do we, through your film, and through the other programs like Combat 360, Combat Zone 360, how do we get our word out further that there is a new world coming about where veterans can get together, be themselves, but not necessarily be pigeonholed into that veteran status that once was prior to 9 11? That's what you see yourselves as being at the forefront of that. I don't want to be. Honestly, uh, that's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, 
Do you want to take that question? I think it's great, though. I think I think we're going with it. Um, that's what I I want to do. I don't think the VA is a bad thing. I think the VA is great, but I think they're overwhelmed, significantly overwhelmed. I don't I don't think they have enough resources and they don't have enough manning to deal with the problems that they do every single day. And I saw that. If I if it takes me six months to get in to see a psychiatrist, that's a fucking problem. But I should also have the option to go see a psychiatrist out in town if my psychiatrist is bad. And I think that's. Uh, I think a lot of the funding that the VA has, I think we should shift to letting veterans choose where they are seen. That's what I would do, and that would solve that problem. So if they want to go get seen by an adventure therapy program, the VA's insurance pays for that. Um, but I know you've had a really great experience with the VA, and I'll let you uh, come yeah, in there. I, I, and if I'm going off on the wrong track, let me know for sure. But you know, the supply and demand is out there, right? It's a growing community. And the VA has a tendency to look at things from a holistic view or a 30,000 foot view, and, and that's the capacity that they could operate in. These veteran op, uh, organizations, military support op, uh, organizations that are coming out have the ability to be, have a, a really niche market, right? So these adventures there, now we have an organization who does specific laser-focused therapies, sailing, equine therapy, you know, service animals, stuff like that, where you could have teams of individuals really laser beam focus on utilizing that therapy. The VA doesn't have the capacity nor the manpower to do that. So that's what's so fantastic about it is you'd have organizations like this that pop up, come up, step up to the plate, and then create awareness about this so that we force the hand of the VA to make changes and say, okay, there is a problem. Because all these metrics that you're seeing nowadays of, uh, of these numbers, these 22 a day and blah, 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 all this stuff, these metrics are being created by MSOs, VSOs. And those are literally presented to the VA when they're like, okay, well, we have to do something now. So I hope that was... No, it makes perfect sense, obviously, but I think the future relies on programs like Combat Zone 360. Yeah. Hell or high seas. Yeah, absolutely. That's why all these think. That's why all these organizations are popping up, dude. Because people haven't stopped killing themselves, and the trend is going up, and it's not going down. That's why every single one of these organizations organizations is alive today. Is uh, is it hasn't changed, and it's not going to change until we. That's what people don't get. It, it's like, the time is over to wait for the VA to start take start taking care of this problem. Um, it's up to us in this room to do this. Um, it's up to us to create these programs and make sure our guys are taken care of when they come home. It's past time to wait for the VA to take care of it because if they were going to take care of it, they would have done it after Vietnam. We have one last question. I'm so glad someone in the back. You, yes, please. Hi, thank you so much for putting this on uh, U.S. Coast Guard. All right. You're the brunt of everyone's jokes. There's Thanks always a coasty here. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. There's always one. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, how has my outlook on life changed after this 400 plus expedition? Thank you. Uh, I'm, I live a, a much healthier life than I did when I first got out. I know how to manage uh, these, 
not episodes, but when your adrenaline runs away from you like that, I know that I need to go sail or I need to go work out. I don't let my body get back down that hole again. Um, and I know when it's coming on and I know why it's happening and I understand why it's happening. And that makes all the difference for me. I'll never end up back there again. Um, yeah, so night and day difference in that respect. Um, the, f- the mission that we're on, it's... Uh, Jaded, jaded's a good word for it. It's a long road. It's a lo- we have got a long road. There's 19 million veterans in the states. You know, uh, we've got a long road ahead of us to reach all of them. So, in that respect, um, man, my emotions are managed is the best way I can put that. But um, personally, I'm, I'm night and day different than I was when I first started that trip. Yeah, for sure. I think maybe making the film is a microcosm of the boulder that you're pushing up. It's a tiny, tiny little boulder that we pushed up the hill, and the boulder that you're now pushing up is, is far bigger, but we got there. I mean, there were times when you, I'm sure you both of you thought we were not going to be sitting in this room looking at a finished film. Um, we are done with our time, so <laughs> I just want to give you all homework. You all have to go to your social media channels. You all have to do hashtag, whatever you do, hellerhighseas.com. Come visit our website. And the film is going to be released on October 12th um, on platforms where you can all access it. So please let your friends know about it. Thank you all for coming. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Stephen and Taylor, for your gift of your Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for listening to our special edition podcast of Combat Zone 360. Please support this veteran documentary by going and watching Hell or High Seas.